Hey, this is Jeremy McCrory, and this is the Run for Jesus podcast, a ministry podcast that will help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before. This evening will be in Luke 12. We're talking about being ready. So what does it mean to be ready? It means to be waiting and ready for anything that's coming up, for anything that's going to happen. It's that readiness that God calls us to be and to do uh, in our own lives. So spiritually, Luke 12 is where we'll start. Luke 12, verse 35. It really just kind of speaks to that fact. It says, be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. What do you think that means? That means that we need to be ready for the battle that's going to come for us, right? Increasingly, we see the world moving away from morals and values that we recognize in our Christian life. We begin to look around and we see that things are acceptable to some people that were never acceptable when we had a centering on what the church was and the church led out. And so it means for us to be ready, it means that we're ready to combat the world around us, but also ready for the Lord to return. The book of Revelation leads us and guides us to say that He will come back one day. So to be ready not only has us to be ready for Christian battle and sharing our faith and the things that are coming at us in the world, but also being ready for the return of, of Christ in our lives. So that's important that we understand both of those things are applicable here. But we also need to be the ones, as we think about this, that are await, awaiting that return. So Luke 12, Luke 12, 36 says, Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table, and they will come up and wait on him. Whether he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. So what will the Lord find when he comes and he comes on our lives and looks in our lives and looks at what we're doing? Are we going to be ready? Are we doing what we need to do to serve others and to be ready for Christian battle, but also in sharing our faith and making sure that we're reaching those around us and serving those around us? I think a portion of what we have to understand is not only as we wait, but we can know that the thief will come too. So what, what, what does the thief do? What does the thief come to do? We all know that scripture. Right? He, he's not coming to do what? Fellowship. Fellowship or, 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 or fill us up or, or just encourage us, right? Those are not attributes of the thief, right? We all know this. The thief will come too. Verse 39 says, Be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's always the speculation over the, the years that I've been alive. When is he coming back? Certainly he's coming back soon. Certainly he's coming back soon. And we would all kind of 
just guess that maybe things are getting worse and worse and worse so that he would be coming back sooner and sooner. But the truth of the matter is we don't know when. You know, and I don't know, would it change your life if you knew that he was coming Friday morning at 8? Would you do anything different? If he said, hey, I'm coming Friday morning at 8, what would you do differently? And we almost got to think about those kind of things because that would change things, right? It would change the way that we do what we're going to do tomorrow. It would change the way that we finish out today. And it would change how we woke up on Friday morning if we slept the night before. Because I think all of us would be ready in that way. But we don't know the hour, so we've got to live in that sense of readiness as if it could happen tomorrow or the next day. He's going to come at an hour we do not know. So the thing about his disciples, as we see within these passages, they like to ask a lot of questions, didn't they? His disciples had questions that some of us, if we're able to read the whole Testament and we're able to look at, we might say, well, certainly these disciples knew the answers to these questions. Certainly they knew those things, but we read it in a different frame together than they would have been going through it at the time. So Peter asked a question in verse 41 and wants to know more about what's going on. Verse 41, it says this way. It says, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? So Peter wants to know more. And sometimes we read passages in scriptures and we don't fully understand. And the first inclination that we have is to go look online somewhere, right? But is everything you find online actually what is explaining this passage or what might give you the right way? You can find so many different answers online that are not biblical. And so finding the right thing can be hard. So it's important that you research what you're looking at and really look for the background in that. So there are several people that he, he kind of addresses this to. The first one is the faithful and sensible servant. And that starts in verse 42. It says, And the Lord said, Who then is faithful and the sensible steward, whom, will put his master, whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations in the proper time? Blessed is the slave whom the master finds doing, so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So you see the faithful and the sensible servant, but also there's, there's what I've called the unfaithful, and negligent servant, the one who doesn't do what the master has required. Verse 45, it says, But if that slave says in his heart, My master will be a long time in coming, and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. So there's two different people there, right? Two different types of servants there. There's those who know the time is nigh and the master can come at any time so they don't squander the time that they have. And then there's those who live like the world and loose like the world and do the things of the world and, and say that I've got plenty of time. And how many of us have ever had those kind of things where we, we say we've got plenty of time? Certainly we've got time, right? And they were reminded of the fragility of life when we lose someone too soon, that our time is coming near. 
we're reminded, as I said a minute ago, through the book of Revelation, that, that there will come a day when he returns. And when Jesus returns, what comes with him? Judgment, right? Judgment for who? Judgment for those who are here, judgment for those who've... Judgment comes with Him. So while we're ready for Him to come, some things we need to make ourselves ready by addressing in our own lives, dealing with the sin in our own lives before we can help others deal with their own sin in their lives. And that's the hardest thing to do because we've got to ask some hard questions. And sometimes we don't like to do that, but... If he's coming, and we know that he's coming, his judgment is coming, and we don't know what day it is, we need to be ones who are ready to go no matter what day it comes or no matter what comes. Verse 46 says this, "...is the master of that slave will come in a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers." And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will, he will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of them they will ask all the more. So what does he ask of us? Well, in, in Scripture... It gives us an answer to that in the book of Micah. And Micah, it tells us in Micah 6, 8, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Does anybody know the answer to that? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The humbleness of all things makes you akin to what God is doing and how He's leading in your life. It makes you open to... His leadership and the things that you need to go to Him to change in your life. You know, there's, there's so many that get told, you need to fix these things before you become a Christian or before you come to the Lord. The way that you and I fix the things that are in our life that shouldn't be is in coming to the Lord. That's coming to Him, realizing we can't do anything on our own or I think we would have already done it. But we would also boast in ourselves if we could do that. But in humility, we recognize that God can do great and mighty things, even with the deepest sin in our lives and the greatest hurt that we hang on to and the most difficult moments and the best moments we still go to God. And it's not that God doesn't know these things, but he wants us to rely on him. Humility says, I don't have everything under control and that's okay. Or I don't know the answer to every question. How many of us know the answer to every question? Now, you go to a kid and you ask an answer to a question they don't know, they're going to give you an answer, right? Is it going to be a real or right answer? Most of the time, to them maybe, but it's not a real answer to a question. So I, so I begin to think about the passage we read tonight, but also I begin to think about how we can make some, some deep application to being ready and what the Lord requires of us. And the first thing I want to ask you may confuse you, but I don't mean it to confuse you. And so, what I want to know first and foremost from you, and this is where you, you give back, is this. How dirty is your home? 
I want you. I want some of you to answer that question. How dirty is your home? Depends on how much sin you got in your. You got where I was going. Depends on how much sin you got in your life. You know, since you brought that up, somebody put on Facebook a while back, pretty sore she had looked at, and it, it, as a matter of fact, they put two on them. One of them had Daisy written on the beating the horse mm -hmm. picture, and that the mind was black and white. It was a beautiful horse, had a white mane, and they didn't put my name underneath it. And what I really got out of that picture is this: I don't care how clean you are. In don't know Jesus Christ, you're still not going to help. That's what I got out of that picture. There you go. All right, I'm done. All right. <laughs> but what what would you feel like if, if, for instance, I had a video of one of your houses on the inside? What what if I had this on the screen here and we could watch what the inside of your house looked like? Would you be a little bit worried right now if you thought that maybe I walked into your house and it was dirty or not picked up or not kept or maybe there was a pile of something that you didn't really get to and you kind of just left there or you know so let's let's see what what we now I don't have any of your houses online but there's a there's a television show that's out there and if you've been flipping a lot of channels sometimes you see this show there's a TV show called Hoarding, right? And on that TV show, Hoarders, what do they have? You look at their house and you see all of this junk and all the things that have accumulated and piled up. And, and they begin to talk to these people and you say, well, not my house. My house could never be that dirty, right? Or I could never go farther down that road and, and do all of that and accumulate all that stuff. But when you talk to the individual who won't let go of things, what do they say? It just started with a little collection of this. Then I got this, then I got this, and then before I knew it, I was sleeping on a trash heap. Before I knew it, my sink was so dirty I couldn't use it. Before I knew it, I, I couldn't use the bathroom in the bathroom. There were so many things that they didn't think about when they first started just ignoring the small mess that was there. But there was an opportunity at the very beginning where they could have done what? Cleaned it up and let it go, right? And at some point, they had to make the decision, even in, in, that, in that context, that no matter how dirty their house got, at some point, they had to let it go and clean it up. Or else they were never going to be able to live like they were intended to live. And I think for us, we have to do what? We have to be willing to get our houses cleaned up spiritually, as Mr. Laverne says. We've got to address the clutter in our home. We've got to address the dirty pile of clothes that we have, you know, or we've got to address something that maybe we've, we've forgotten and moved it over into that corner in that room that we don't go into or use. That's the junk room. You know, how many of us have junk rooms? All over the house. All over the house. <laughs> But what happens when we let go of the junk in that room? It becomes a space that we never had before. See, God is looking for our lives. He's looking for us to be ready. He's looking for us to come to him to address the, the clutter and the junk and the trash and the things in our life that don't need to be there. 
because he created us for his glory. He created us for a bigger purpose. He created us to live in such a manner that's worthy of his righteousness. And so if we're going to help others, if we're going to do all that he has called us to do, if we're going to be ready for when he's going to come back, if we're going to be ready for the challenges that we're going to face individually and as a church, then we've got to be willing to deal with the dark corners, the, the dirty areas in our home. And only when we're willing to help this be clean and let this go can we move forward. And so we've got to think about our lives and our spiritual walk. And there's a lot of us that have those things that we need to go to God about. And looking at this passage, I identified two different servants in this passage. The faithful and sensible servant and the one who is unfaithful and negligent. If you had to grade yourself, and I realize when we grade ourselves, we're our harshest critic, right? Maybe, maybe. Uh, which one do you think you would fit into? Is your home ready to go if the master were to stop by? You know, because sometimes we've got to think about it like that. If the Lord comes tonight, is your house ready? Or are there things that you need to deal with that you put on the back burner that you need to go to God about and say, God, I need you to help me get these things out of my house in order that I might be able to give all I am to you. And I promise you, whatever you ask in faith, the Lord will do. And it, and it doesn't just start like that. You begin to recognize more things. How many of you have ever done like a spring cleaning? What happens? You go and you clean up this over here, right? And when you clean that up, what do you recognize? There's something over there. And then there's something over. I'm not pointing at you. Please don't look at me. <laughs> but, 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 but we realize that, right? <laughs> I'm gonna go like this. From now on, I'm just gonna go this way. Uh, yeah, the structure. Yes, yes, the structure. But, but which one of those resonates with you? Which one of those servants are you? And what can God do about it? He can do it. He can change. He can change us. And so we got to think about it lastly. we got to think about it in this way. What needs to go in our life so that we can be ready for his return? What are some things that you think needs to be let go of in your home, in your house, in your spiritual life? Busyness. busyness? What do you mean busyness? Okay. What are some other things that we need to let go of? Distractions of the world. Distractions. TV and social media. How do they distract us? They just keep us doing what? And, and if you really dive into that social media thing, are the people on social media actually who they portray themselves to be? Usually not. Too much fantastic. Ask Whitney. Oh, 
Yes. Yes, yes, and they were apparently selling Bitcoin. Uh, yes. Yeah, didn't look like anybody I knew. But um, what are some other areas of your life that we think needs to be cleaned up there, let go of? Sometimes it's good things. Sometimes it's good things? So you're saying if, 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 for instance, there are so many things that you're juggling that you can't focus on what the main thing should be. But I think about that too. Then there's, there's always this one person over here that God's endowed or gifted that, that could probably do that too and help you out. So being ready, I see what you say there. So what do you think? We're going to look back to Micah 6.8. Let's look back to that passage real quick. Micah 6.8. So what will it take for us to live out Micah 6.8? What does it mean to do justice? What does it mean to do justice? Do what's right? What about it? What about taking care of the least of these, taking care of the widows and the orphans, taking care of the ones that are, that are around us that maybe we don't even know, that we just see a need and we're trying to do that, standing up for them. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that go on in our world that's just terribly wrong, such as trafficking of minors and trafficking for the sex traffic and all those things. Does it mean standing up for what's right by doing that too? It means that we can't say, oh, that's them, that's not me, right? So, um, so justice. What about loving kindness? How do, how do we do that? Right. Because there's a difference, right? right? And people know that, right? Yes. People know they when know you love them. So you're saying we're supposed to love and be kind and, and treat them in that way because of how we've been treated. 
Undeservedly, right? I didn't make up a word, did I, Laura? Undeservedly is a real word, right? Okay. If not, I just made up a word. Undeservable is. Undeservable is. Uh, Y'all, it was hard when I was writing uh, my final paper for stuff, and I would make up words, and Laura would go back, that's not a word. So um, it sounds good, though. But also, this... This last one may be a little bit more tough because it goes to stepping on toes. What about walking humbly? Oh, yeah. But how do we try to do it on our own? You know, because sometimes people say, well, you know, God, teach me to be more humble. And then he teaches us. And, and it's some, not like we thought it was going to be. No, it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts sometimes. It hurts sometimes when God teaches us humility. But also teaches us the ways that we haven't been humble. Which we should have sought with him. So all of these things you say is because of our relationship with God Almighty. We can't live with justice, we can't love kindness, and we can't walk humbly without God in the picture. You look around and there's a lot of good people in the world that do good things, but they do it for their own selfish gain. We do it because the kingdom of God. We do it so that others might know. We do it so that we might love others. We do it so that that we might walk closer with God. We do it in a way that brings glory to his kingdom and grows things. And so we have to make intentional decisions to do that though, right? So how do we, how do we, how do we actually follow through with all of these things? We've got to read God's word and know it, right? Because the world around us does what? They know about God's word, but they don't know God. So they don't know his word, right? Because you can't know the Word of God without God in it, right? It's like in our Sunday school lesson a couple of weeks ago, Renee did talk about head knowledge and heart knowledge. Oh. A lot of people have head knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But they don't have heart knowledge. So they know things, but they don't necessarily believe things. They know and believe that they can have a relationship with God. Hmm. Even the devil believes. Right. Yeah. hear that passage too sounds a lot like the two greatest commandments right right
good feeling inside, you feel clean and so forth. But if you don't have, you pull the sleeve and you don't feel clean. Are you sure you're going to Most assuredly. All right, friends, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the opportunity to look within your word. God, to be challenged by your word that we should be ready upon your return, God. So many around us are looking for answers, looking for hope in the dark world that we have. And God, I pray that we've made use of every scripture, every lesson, every time of prayer that you've taught us. God, that we're willing to deal with the sin in our lives by coming to you and allowing for you to help us clean our homes, that we might be of more use to you in this world. Father God, I, I pray that if there's unaddressed sin in our lives, God, that we're willing to do that here and now today because we don't know when you're going to come and when your return is, but we know that you will come. Father God, I just pray. God, as we are here, God, I pray that we're willing to serve others and help others and go where no one else will. Father God, we have a wonderful opportunity next week where many kids will come into these doors and the opportunities are endless to share with those kids who might have been dealing with so many things that the world has thrown upon them. And their homes might not be the way that they need to be, but God, you've given us an opportunity to share you with them that they might everlasting be changed. So God, I pray for each and every family, each and every home. God, I pray for the workers and the leaders. God, I pray for everyone that's involved in Vacation Bible School, God, that you, you just make yourself known. God, you give them strength to continue day by day when they're tired. Father God, when things are not going as right as we want them to be, God, help us to see you in the smallest of details, God. Heavenly Father, God, just... Continue to work through friendship. Continue to work through the people gathered here. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Run for Jesus podcast with Jeremy McCrory. Tune in next time for more relevant sermons and ministry helps to help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before.